Thanks, Tanasha. Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name is Ben, and along with my wife and I, we lead the church that meets here at St. Peter's. Very good to have you with us. Good to have people visiting for the baptisms. You're very welcome here. Thank you so much for coming to support the families of the babies getting baptized. I hope you feel welcome, and please do join us for the event afterwards. It's lovely having you here. If you're here for the first time, or you've been coming for a little while and you're considering getting stuck in at St. Peter's, getting involved, then we'd love to invite you for lunch. We're going to have that next week. So it's the first Sunday of every month. And after the service at 12.30, we go over to the vicarage and we have lunch together. That's just an opportunity for us to meet you, for you to meet other people who are also new to the church, but for Hanel and I to talk a little bit about what makes us tick here at St. Peter's and how you can get more involved. So we'd love to have you, if you wouldn't mind signing up online, just so we know how many to cater for that would be great okay so the vision of this church is to play our part in bringing heaven to southeast london what's heaven well heaven isn't a nightclub in new cross with sticky floors and wall to ceiling mirrors heaven is nothing short of the fullness of the presence and of the power of god and as you trace the narrative of heaven coming to earth throughout the entire bible you realize that God is constantly in the business of bringing heaven to earth. And here's the most remarkable thing about the Bible when you read it. You begin to realize pretty soon on in, but as you travel through the story, because it's one grand narrative, it's lots of small books put together into one big story, you realize quite quickly that God's plan A for bringing heaven to earth is you and is me. And is every single other church in southeast London and every other church in London and every other church in our nation and throughout the world. We are God's primary means by which he is going to bring heaven to earth. And the way we like to think about that at St. Peter's is we like to say we've got some core values here, some core cultures that we want to create here so that we can make that possible. The first is we want this to be a church where it feels like family. And by that, we mean every person who comes to this church can be fully known. So you're able to come exactly as you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you're fully known. And now we all know, because we have good, bad, and ugly parts in our lives, that when we do that, we're going to need something else. Because when we talk about church being like family, we don't just mean come as you are. We also mean that everybody else has to sign up to a contract of unconditionally loving each other. Because if we don't have unconditional love, then it's very hard to come as you are. However, on top of that, we don't just talk about coming as you are and being unconditionally loved. We also believe that as a church family, we're to build each other up and encourage each other so that we become the people that we're created to be. We're in the business of redeeming each other, helping each other to become more like the image and likeness of Christ. So church should be like family. Secondly, church should make Jesus known. Now, the way we talk about this is everything that we do in this church, every single thing that we do outside of this church, everything that you are involved in, in your workplaces, on your streets, with your family, your friends, everything is an opportunity to make Jesus known, for people to encounter the love and the power and the truth and the beauty of Jesus and to find relationship with him, to find fullness of life in him. So that is the second culture we're trying to create here at St. Peter's. Third culture we're trying to create is that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. Because we know that if we try and do those two things in our own strength, we're going to get exhausted very quickly. We're going to find it incredibly hard to do in and of our own strength. And so therefore, we need to be filled, we need to be led, and we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by filled? I mean that there is never enough of the Holy Spirit. We need to go on being filled again and again and again. And by the Spirit, I mean the presence of God. Because how are we going to bring the presence of God out there unless we are full to overflowing in and of ourselves? Jesus talks about it as though we become springs of living water, taking the Holy Spirit and dousing it on lots of other people everywhere we go. But we're not just filled with the Holy Spirit, we're also led by the Holy Spirit. Because let's face it, there's a lot out there that doesn't look like heaven. And if we were to try and fix everything out there that doesn't look like heaven in our own strength, by our own strength, then we're going to burn out pretty quickly. And so therefore we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about this as only doing what he sees the Father doing. So if God is doing something, then we're obliged to get involved and see what the Spirit's going to do. But we don't just talk about being filled and led. We also talk about being empowered. What do we mean by that? We mean that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, He also gives us the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit so as to do what we're called to do. By the fruits of the Spirit, I mean we have love. And this is supernatural fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Gifts of the Spirit. We're able to prophesy. We're able to speak the Word of God into people's lives. We get words of knowledge. We can pray for healing. All of the things that you see Jesus do in the Gospels, we can have if we're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So church should be like family. Church should make Jesus known. Church should be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fourth thing we talk about here is church should be every day, not an event. Because this on Sunday is lovely. I enjoy it. It's great fun, but it's an hour and a half. We are not going to fill earth with the presence and power of God, heaven, if we're only doing it for an hour and a half on Sunday. For a start, this place will get full up and nowhere else will. And so therefore, we talk about being Monday to Saturday church. The whole point is that we take what we get in here when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we take it out there and we engage with our neighbors and with our work colleagues in those places, family and on our workplaces and on our streets, and we bring heaven on earth in those places, not just here on Sunday. My dream scenario for us as a church is that we don't have time for a talk because we have just story after story after story of all of us in here helping people encounter the presence of Jesus during the week. So you come up with stories the whole time. We just do an open mic. We do it sometimes. It's fun. We do an open mic and it'll just go on and on and on. Then I won't have to prepare a talk and we'll all be happy. The fifth thing we talk about in church in terms of core values, core culture, is that we are ambitiously local. Now, ambition is a little bit of a dirty word, particularly in church context, isn't it? But what we mean by that is that we want to move the dial in this local area. It's all very well saying we're going to be the church and we're going to grow to a massive congregation on Sunday. It's going to be lovely and we're going to feel good about ourselves because we have great music, because we've got lots of people in the building, because we've got multiple services. I don't think that moves the dial. I really don't think that moves the dial. I think that attracts Christians from lots of other churches and gets them into one building. What I think moves the dial is being ambitiously local. So trying to see the transformation in our local areas. So the shops that we go into during our week, helping those people that we meet in there encounter the person of Jesus. The business owners encountering the person of Jesus, our work colleagues encountering the person of Jesus, this local area, our neighbors, believe it or not. I think Jesus was probably being literal when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think he meant the neighbor across the other side of the city who you see on Sunday because they come because the coffee is better in this church than the church that's closer to them. That's not the neighbor. The neighbor is the person next door to us who doesn't know Jesus, who we can get to know over time and start to help them encounter his love 
So what we would love the result of this church to be is lots of local, on-fire churches bringing heaven to southeast London. In the words of Paul, he talks about filling everything in every way. So he talks about Christ being the head of the church. Christ is the head of church. And we are his body. So we're equipped to fill everything in every way with his presence. And the point this morning from our passage that Tanache read is that, and this is the point of this whole talk, this is only possible if every single one of us in this room gets to play. If we count ourselves out, then it's going to be impossible to fill everything in every way to bring heaven to southeast London, even to bring heaven to your local street or your local area. Church was never meant to be a spectator sport. Church was never meant to be an hour and a half on Sunday, something that we potentially pay other people to deliver so that we consume and then go on and get on our week. Church is meant to be the body of Christ, everyone belonging, but then going out and filling everything in every way with his presence. But the problem is we have a problem, which is an interesting statement if you think about it. But we do have a problem. The problem is this tends to be, and this stats kind of across church in the UK, 20% of people in the church do 100% of the work, which means that we have 80% of spectators. And the truth is, this church is no different from any other church. So the question is, why is that, and how do we fix it? Now, part of the reason is because we've set up church in the wrong way. We have made church all about a Sunday service. This is one of the things that was such a light bulb moment for a lot of church leaders going into the pandemic. We suddenly realized when we weren't allowed to meet together on Sunday morning in a church, in a building, and deliver the kind of thing that we're used to delivering, we suddenly go, oh my goodness, we've been wasting our time this whole time. What have we been doing? We haven't equipped the people in the church to be the church out there Monday to Saturday and to be the church together. And so therefore, what if, if, if a church is any good, hopefully they would have emerged out of the pandemic with a totally different different focus. They might have been doing it before. Some churches are. They're brilliant like that. We weren't. And we've talked about, about that a lot here. We were just gathering steam on Sunday, creating an event on Sunday. We were doing more, multiple events. We were starting to see the church fill up. That isn't what the church is called to do. It's a part of what the church is called to do, but the real thing that we're supposed to be doing is making disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means that we are helping each other be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the stuff that Jesus did and help one another do the same. Not on Sunday, so it's not my job to do that. It's all of our jobs to do that. Well, it is my job, but it's everybody's job. To be with Jesus, to become like him, to do the stuff he did and to help one another do the same. Do you think that we need an hour and a half on Sunday in order to be able to do that? I don't. I mean, um, throughout the pandemic, you would hope that the church would be able to survive not being able to meet on Sunday. So... The issue with that approach to church, and it's the approach that we're taking here, and I'm going to be talking more about that over the coming weeks, is that, remember the 80-20 rule, 20% of the church doing 100% of the work? The issue with this new discipleship model thingy that everybody talks about now is that we're going to require a higher level of participation than before. So if before we were thinking an hour and a half on Sunday, can you serve some tea and coffee or potentially scroll on the lyrics a little bit, and 20% of the church did that. Now we're talking about Monday to Saturday, being with Jesus, becoming like him, helping others do the same, and doing the stuff he did. This is going to take a higher level. So really what's going to happen is people might just check out because it's a higher bar. And so therefore the 20% might become 10%, might become 5%. Here's the point. We're not going to back down from doing it. We want to be a church that steps into that. 
rather than just goes back to how we were before. So let's be honest with ourselves and let's look at some of the reasons why we don't get involved. And I'm including myself in this. The first is we are too tired to play. Everyone gets to play, but we're too tired to play. We're tired because post-COVID, there's this passivity, isn't there? It feels hard to be able to do the stuff that we were doing before. We're exhausted. And you know you're too tired to play if you wake up on Sunday. And the one part of being church, which I would say is the bare minimum, right at the bottom is to come to church and engage with the body of Christ and come and meet people. You're more tempted to lie in than you are to come. That's how you know you're exhausted. And we need a solution for that. We need to be able to step in and we need to be able to actually step in with purpose and have the energy to be able to do what we're called to do. Others of us might say we're too busy to get involved. We're in the 80% and we're just too busy. Life is too busy. Work is too busy. Our social life is too busy. You know this is you if you have lots of brunch dates Sunday morning and you haven't been to church for two months. You might be here this morning. This is the one in eight. Welcome. Good to have you. And the reason you weren't there the other times is because you were having brunch. There's the other crowd and I'm including myself in all this, I get paid to be here. So it's all very well me saying this kind of stuff. I have to be here. Number three is we don't feel good enough to play in the church. Serving the church is for the proper Christians. It's for the ones that have it all together. And if we're honest, if we were to get involved, if we were to genuinely be family, which is what we're talking about here, it's too exposing. I'm going to get found out. Someone's going to work out who I really am. Someone's going to realize I'm a fraud. And so therefore, I'm not going to get involved. And then the fourth reason, the 80% don't get stuck in and play. And I'm going to say this because it's in the passage, but it's uncomfortable, is we think that we're too good to play. We come to church with this attitude of you serve me for my week. And therefore, we don't get involved. Now, here's some caveats before we carry on. Caveat number one, if you're here and you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, I'm sure there's a number of us here because of the baptisms, you can ignore all of this. The most important thing you need to think about during the next 20 minutes while I drone on is who do do I think the person of Jesus is? That really is the only question that matters about anything. Don't worry about belonging or getting involved. Second caveat is if you've come from another church and you've been burnt out by over-serving, So they've just got you on rotors week in, week out, and it feels like you're being employed by the church, but you're receiving no money, and then you have to do your Monday to Friday on top of working for the church for no money for volunteers, and there's this underlying pressure the whole time, and as a result, you've burnt out, and you've come here for a little bit of a break. Don't worry about getting involved. You're here to heal. You're here to receive the Holy Spirit. You're here to actually find wholeness again. Third caveat as I carry on is please, 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 please don't hear this as an instruction to collapse your life into church. Remember what church is. Church is not an hour and a half on Sunday morning or an hour and a half Sunday night. Church is being the body of Christ, the presence of Jesus out in the world Monday to Saturday. If all of the Christians in this country... We're exhausted because they wake up at six in the morning on Sunday and then um, put on this huge event that lots of people come to. And then they go home at night and they wake up on Monday morning with some sort of church hangover because they've been working for the church and doing 48 hours within the space of 10 hours on a Sunday. And then they go into work and they can think of anything other than talking to other people about Jesus than we failed as a church. We've made it more about the production than we have about the presence of God Monday to Saturday. That's the third caveat. Apart from that, all the other reasons need overcoming. 
or being healed from. And that's what Paul's talking about this morning. So why and how do we overcome some of those reasons we don't play? We're too tired, we're too busy, we don't feel good enough, we're too good. Well, it's all in this passage. So why don't you open up your phone or your Bible? And we're in 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12. The first thing to notice in this passage is the whole point, really, of this little section. And the point is this. Without you being involved, playing, serving, our church is incomplete. He says it, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. What's he talking about there? We are all different for a reason. He talks about the initial passage. Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free. In this church family, we have loads of different races represented. We have loads of different cultures represented. We have loads of different backgrounds and upbringings represented. We have loads of different experiences of life represented. We have loads of different personalities represented. We have loads of different skill sets and approaches to life represented. And what Paul is saying there is that is a good thing. In fact, it's not just a good thing. It's an essential thing. Think about it this way. So Genesis 1, we're told that we're all created in the image and likeness of God, okay? And then God says to Adam and Eve, who are created in his image and likeness, go and fill the earth with the presence of God. That's essentially what chapters 1 really is about in Genesis. And then you see uh, the rest of the Bible is about Adam and Eve, humanity, trying to fulfill that role. Failing Jesus, then doing it perfectly, and then redeeming humankind so that we can do it in him and in his Holy Spirit. Imagine this. So God, from whom everything has its source in whom everything finds its purpose, and through whom everything exists, okay? I am made in the image and likeness of God. Imagine God who is all-powerful, who's created everything that we see around us, who is all-knowing, who is omnipotent. He's everywhere at once. Imagine if God said, the way I am going to fill the earth everywhere, in every way, is through Ben, just Ben. I'm just going to do it through Ben. So if you could all look a little bit more like Ben, if you could sound a little bit more like Ben, if you could dress a little bit more like, I know that's going to be difficult. If you could walk a little bit more, if you could talk a bit more like, if you could think a bit more like Ben, then the fullness of God in heaven will be represented on earth. Can you hear how ridiculous that sounds? Absolutely ridiculous. It's the same thing if all of us don't get involved. The representation of the image and the likeness of God is only partially represented through the 20% who actually do anything. We're different for a reason. It's very unconvincing if it's just a few of us. Now let's deal with some of the reasons then. So first reason, we don't feel good enough to play. Paul knocks this one straight on the head. Verse 15 and 16, he says this, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would for that, not, not that reason, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear, verse 16, should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of 
the body. What's he saying there? He's saying there is a lie that we're tempted to believe in church. And the lie is this. Because I am not like that other person in church who seems to have it all together, who seems to know what they're doing, who seems to have a brilliant feed on Instagram of doing incredible things throughout the week. Because I am not like that person. I don't have their skill set. I'm not from their part of the world. I don't speak like them. I don't talk like them. I don't act like them. Because I am not, I don't belong. That is a lie. And it's a lie that Paul's trying to expose here. And it's perpetuated in our culture, isn't it, by comparison? Because that's one of the biggest killers of us being the people we were created to be, is we just compare ourselves constantly to other people. So it might be that you don't feel good enough to play. And Paul is saying there, you need to kill comparison in your life. I'm going to talk about how we do that in a second. And this is within reason, okay? So if you say, because I cannot sing, I don't belong, you might say, well, I can't sing a tune in note, and so therefore I'm going to join the worship team and start singing. It's probably not what you should do. In fact, it would be not beneficial on the rest of us in order to be able to do that. So it's within reason. The point is, you are all gifted in different ways to bring the fullness of God and fill everything in every way. You don't need to do it in the same way. Second little one to uh, counteract this problem that we all need to be involved, but we don't get involved those of us who feel too good to play, and this is kind of brought out from verse 21, it says this, that I cannot say to the hand, so the eye clearly has a bit of a pride problem here, um, I don't need you, hand, because I'm an eye and I'm better than you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you, because you're ugly and I've got hair. On the contrary, some toes have hair, don't they? Um, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we'll get onto that in a second. What's the point there? The point there is as we look at each other, we have this temptation sometimes to think that we don't need each other. Why? Because we think we've got everything we need in and of ourselves. It's a superiority complex. So the question is, in response to those two reasons why we don't get involved, is what is the soundtrack to your life? When you scroll through social media, what's the soundtrack? What's going, what lie, in the words of Paul, are you tempted to believe when you do that? Is it that you look at stuff on there or when you enter a room of people you don't know or you go to a place that's unfamiliar? Is it that you don't feel good enough? The constant soundtrack in your head is, because I am not, I don't belong. Because I am not, I cannot get involved. Or is it because you are not? I don't want to be involved. One's comparison, one's pride. Some of us might flip between the two at different times. Some of us might find that the entire soundtrack of our life is insignificant. And so therefore we need to kill the comparison and the because I am not statement. Some find that the whole entire soundtrack of our life, really, if we're honest, is pride and arrogance. And when we scroll through things or we enter rooms, we tend to have this idea that we are bringing what needs to be brought to the party rather than what can others teach me. We need to kill comparison. We need to kill pride. What's the truth? They're both lies. What's the truth? It's verse 18. Here's the truth. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, every single one of us in this room has been placed, if you belong to St. Peter's, in this body for a reason just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? So, without every single one of us involved, the 80% that's not involved, without every one of us involved, the body is incomplete. 
There's parts of the body that aren't functioning properly. In order to be able to get involved, we need to kill comparison. We need to kill pride. We might flip from one to the other. We might have an entire soundtrack of comparison and insignificance. It might be pride. That's easier said than done, isn't it? So the question really is, how do we do that? How do we deal with insignificance? How do we deal with pride? Well, the key here is in the little paragraph right at the beginning of our passage from verse 12. Paul says this, just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And this is the key one. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit. We were all baptized by one spirit. Here's the point. You do not qualify yourself to belong to the body. Nothing about anything you bring qualifies you to belong. Nothing about anything you bring qualifies you to contribute. The only thing that qualifies you is the person of Jesus. It's grace. It's a gift. So he's talking about baptism there. He puts it like this in Ephesians. I think he puts it beautifully. He says this from chapter 2, verse 8. He says, for it is by grace. Grace is a gift. You don't buy a gift. You don't receive a gift and then say how much I owe you. It's a gift. You're given it and you enjoy it. Grace is a gift. Grace, you, it's by grace you have been saved. You've been reunited with God as your father. Everything that ruins your life has been dealt with by Jesus on the cross through faith. And this is not from yourselves, says Paul. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So those of us who have this soundtrack of pride in our lives, none of us get to boast. Because what we actually enjoy by being filled with the Holy Spirit, by being baptized in the presence of Jesus, by the person of Jesus, because of what he's done on the cross, we have nothing to bring to the table so that we can't boast. For we are all God's handiwork. God has created us specifically as we are for a purpose. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. To do So, when you get baptized, it doesn't mean you get baptized and then become a homogenous group of people that look the same, walk the same, talk the same, think the same. When you get baptized, you bring yourself into the scenario, but what unites you with God as your Father isn't anything that you brought with us, isn't anything that you didn't bring with you, it is only by the grace of Jesus. That's why he's talking about baptism. Think about the symbolism of baptism, okay? So we had adult baptisms last week in the evening. It was a lot of fun. But they're in the hot tub here, um, and they go under the hot tub, and that is symbolic of them dying to their previous life without Christ at the center. Who was at the center before? themselves. That's the whole point of going under the water. You're dying to the old life of having yourself at the center. Whether it manifests itself as insignificance or pride, it doesn't really matter. The truth is the same. You've put yourself at the center of your life. So when you go under, you die to life with yourself at the center. You come up out of the water and you're washed clean by the water, by the blood of Jesus poured out on the cross, the sacrificial lamb by whom we come into the presence of God. And as you come up, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you emerge as a new creation, resurrected through Christ Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what you're called to do. All of it is a gift. Nothing that you brought in is going to stop you. Nothing you brought in is going to make you. The only thing that qualifies you is the person of Jesus. How is this worked out in the body? Well, Paul talks about this. This is beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful parts of what it means to be church. Verse 23 in 1 Corinthians 12. 
On the contrary, he says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division. No division, because the only thing that brings you to the party, the only thing that qualifies you to play is the person of Jesus. And in fact, the kingdom of God, the family of God, the church is so upside down. It's so countercultural that the weaker parts of the body are actually elevated, given special honor. The unpresentable parts are looked after in an incredibly special way, whilst those who feel have it all together and bring themselves to the party thinking that they can contribute or just kind of are there and capable, they have no special seat of honor. It's totally upside down. Can you see how countercultural this is? Can you see how different this is from your workplaces? Can you see how different this is from most of our social situations, from our families even? It's completely countercultural because the only thing that qualifies us is the person of Jesus. So final question, how do we do this? Do we just try a lot harder? Do we try and drown comparison every time it comes up into our life? Drown pride as it comes up into our life? Do we just get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be a better person today by putting other people first, by serving the body in that way? I'm not going to think better of myself or less of myself. Surely that won't work. Surely that undermines the whole point of the gospel story, which is we bring nothing to the party that qualifies us and we bring nothing to the party that disqualifies us. The only way that we're able to do this is found in this statement in verse 12, verse 13, sorry. He says, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Imagine you're incredibly thirsty. You've not drunk anything all day, okay? And you get in in the evening and you sit down and someone puts a huge glass of water right in front of you, or whatever your drink of choice is, water, Coca-Cola, anything that you you know it's going to quench your thirst, it's stuck right in front of you. Do you pick it up and take a sip and then throw the rest down the sink? No, of course you don't. You down it as fast as you can, and then you ask for another. And then you down that one, and you ask for another. It is exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. How are we going to do what we're called to do? How are we going to know that we belong to the, to the body of Christ who fills everything in every way? How are we going to be full to overflowing, bringing God's power into presence? The only way we're going to do it is if we drink of the Spirit of the living God. Is if we're greedy. Jesus says, how much more will God the Father give the Holy Spirit to those you ask. We have to keep coming back again and again and again and again. And as we drink, we're filled and we flow out. We're filled and we flow out. We keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. And what you'll notice as you do that is you'll start to see the fruits of the Spirit displayed in your life. And they're supernatural. These aren't things you can make happen. You'll start to find that you're more patient with people previously you were less patient with. You'll start to find that you have joy, even in circumstances that are incredibly difficult, that would really make you unhappy. And it's okay, you can be unhappy and full of joy at the same time. That's the craziness of the kingdom of God. You start to find that you have a peace. You're not running around like a headless chicken anymore, trying to make everything happen in your own strength. You start to find that you feel unconditionally loved by the God who created you. And you realize that he alone equips you and encourages you. But you also find that you start moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're given these supernatural gifts so that we can play the part that we are asked to play. 
So we drink of the Holy Spirit. Just, just to finish before we pray, and I'd love to pray for those of us who fall in these camps where we're tired, we're burnt out. Really, the answer to that is you just need to keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. And what you'll find is you drink of the Holy Spirit is he'll start to heal that burnt out tiredness. He'll start to heal. And what he'll do is he'll start to point out ways in which you became burnt out, the reasons why you became burnt out. And he wants to write that and redeem it because he wants to use you for his glory in the body of Christ from now on. But also those who feel insignificant as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do in a moment, we realize how significant we are in the eyes of God, that we're sons, we're daughters. He's proud of us. We don't need to do anything in order to earn that pride. But also those of us who feel too good to play, sometimes that, that's repentance, really. That's all that is. You come to God and you say, God, I'm sorry for trying to do that in my own strength. I'm sorry that I thought I could do that because of who I am. I recognize now that it's only you, only you who can do in me what needs to be done to fill everything in every way to find my purpose. But really practically, how can we play in church? I think the way that we're going to see this kind of church lived out is in smaller groups. We're not going to see it on Sunday. We, we come, tends to be one in three, we come on Sunday. Um, we meet different people every time. It's too big a group in here. This is growing and it's changing. The evening service also is growing and it's changing week in, week out. We're not going to be able to live this kind of body-like Christ-likeness, filling everything in every way in a big group like this on Sunday. It doesn't mean that Sunday is irrelevant. Sunday is really good and it's really important. It's really fun. And I like gathering together. But the only way to really do it is to do smaller groups. And so what we're encouraging everybody in the church to do is to join Foundations, which starts October 5th. And we're going to do five weeks. We're going to do the life of Jesus. We're going to do the death of Jesus and what that means to us. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus, what that means to us as Christians. We're going to talk about how we encounter Jesus through Bible and prayer. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what the church is. But at the end of that, the whole purpose is to help us to get into smaller groups across southeast London to start living this kind of stuff out in our day today. And so when you come, you'll be sat in locational groups. You'll be sat with people that live around you. And here's the beauty of locational groups. They're not going to be put together on the basis of other people with the same interests of you or at the same life stage of you or other people who look like you or have the same personality as you. They are going to be a hodgepodge of lots of different people in the church. And that is beautiful. It's also the only way we're going to start doing the stuff that Paul's talking about in this passage. So when you go and you think, I have nothing in common with other people in this group, say to yourself, in fact, I'll say it because we'll be speaking on different weeks, me and now, I'll say, the thing that unites you is the person of Jesus. And guess what? There is no greater glue to bring a group of disparate people together than the presence and the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, that's what we're going to choose. So come to Foundations. The other way you can get involved is... The best way to start is to serve in a team at church. It isn't just Sunday serving, it's also midweek serving. We do things in the week, and because we believe that everything that we do is an opportunity for people to encounter the person of Jesus, we need people from the church serving the different ministries in the, in the, in the week. We also need people to serve uh, on Sunday morning and Sunday night. The big need Sunday morning, if I'm honest, is kids, kids' church. So it's helping once a month with the kids' church. It probably means we need to come to church more than once a month so that we get filled up in the other week we come or the other two weeks we come, and then we're serving uh, one out of four on Sunday. And as we serve the kids, I mean, this is probably one of the best ways to actually serve the church and to realize that we're all different is doing kids' work. 
And so if you come and your kids benefit from kids' work, can I just be brutally honest? We're not going to be able to carry on the kind of kids' work we're doing unless every parent signs up to do one in, one in four, one in six. And that's not to make us feel guilty. It's just to say that they're really struggling with volunteers and they can't do it. So we need to step up. We need to stop letting the 20% do it, and we need to step up those of us who are in the 80%. There's other things as well that we need to get involved in. But it's all on a little slip of paper, which should be on your chair. So if you could just find under your bottom a slip of paper and wave it to me. You can also go online, the website forward slash serve. And it's on there. Thanks, Rose. Anyone else got that slip of paper? That's some of the ministries. When you, when you tick that box and put your email, you are not signed up for life to do that thing. All that's going to happen is someone is going to contact you and say, this is what this involves. And at that point, you can say, no, thanks. I'm terrible at that. I thought I was an eye, but I'm actually an arm. Or you can just decide not to do it. But the whole point is we're trying to bring our gifts and what we are called to do into the body. And here's the thing. If you're a parent, you're gifted with kids because God's given you kids. And therefore, you just need to out with kids' work. That is just the way it is with that one. Sorry about that. Um, So do you want to fill that out and stick it in something? How about the font at the back? On the way out, if you fill it out and then stick it in that font. See the font that looks like the Goblet of Fire at the back from Harry Potter? There's Colin. He's waving at it. If on the way out you could put it in there, it would be wonderful. And then we'll receive it and you'll get an email. And that does not sign, that is not signing your life away. Can we just wait on the Holy Spirit for a minute as we fill those out? So before you fill it out, let's just wait on the Spirit. Because we do nothing unless it's in response to the being led by the Spirit, guidance of the Spirit. So let's shut our eyes so we're not distracted. <laughs> 